Whether this is her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct is everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct, your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From the Abraham Lincoln Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. This was the beginning of our, of our response. There will be more steps. Some of those steps will be seen. Some may not be seen. But there will be more action taken to respond to the tragic death of the three brave U.S. service members. And we cannot rule out that there will be further attacks from Iranian-backed militias in Iraq and Syria or from the Houthis. The president, in being clear-eyed about that, has told his military commanders that they need to be positioned to respond to further attacks as well. So that's Jake Sullivan. He was on a couple of the different shows. He was on Meet the Press and got asked repeatedly, well, Chris Kristen Welker tweeted out, I saw her tweet before I watched the show, Jake Sullivan refuses to take attacking Iran off the table. And I watched that portion of the interview, and she said, um, critics say an attack on Iran would start a wider war that we do not want. Will you take attacking inside Iran off the table right now? And he said, well, I'm not going to comment on what is or isn't on the table. Um, but blah, 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 which is a perfectly reasonable answer. Yes, it well, is. Well, just to get back to the question, are you taking it off the table and attacking inside Iran? Well, I'm not taking anything off the table. We will respond to, and then she said, so you are leaving it on the table and attacking Iran. He said, I'll say it again. <laughs> I mean, he sounded <laughs> a little annoyed. What Do you work? understand there's not an actual table? Okay? <laughs> Let's start there, Kristen. Okay? Well, beyond, beyond, what, is, what is the point of that sort of journalism or conversation? I don't know. It's idiotic. It serves no purpose. Anybody who would ever take anything off the table is... and, and I, I, you're, you're absolutely right. Okay. No, we're not planning to, but if they nuke Omaha, we'll change our minds. All right, Kristen? So it's off the table, but it's sitting on the chair. And I can reach over and take it off the chair, put it back on the table, right next to the fruit bowl. Are you happy now? I have this habit of, like, in my car when I'm listening to this stuff, like, sometimes pausing things and then answering them way they should have been answered, which I know is I weird. I love that. I know it's weird. <laughs> I do it out loud. <laughs> But one of them, you know, and this is getting into just media criticism, but 
they were talking about uh, the various strikes in the Middle East, and Kristen Walker said, is this going to damage the ability to get the hostages back for Israel? And he gave oh some diplomatic answer, and that's when I paused it in my car and answered, well, it might or it might not, but if you kill U.S. soldiers, we are going to respond regardless of any other circumstances. So, I don't know. What's the point of that question? But he didn't answer no, that way. No, Because that no. seems like a perfectly reasonable no, he, answer. He did the whole very diplomatic, you know, you're pretty pretty diplomatic when you're a diplomat for a living. Um, you are, by you definition. Be. <laughs> yeah. But that just, that sort of stuff drives me nuts. Yeah, yeah. So, if... If they get to snatch women and children in the middle of the night and hold them hostage, then we have to take certain cards away ourselves? What the hell kind of world would that be? Well, and right, exactly. I just I find myself exhausted by the question. Uh, yeah, exactly. Um, I, I'm, I'm glad you could muster up the energy to <laughs> offer a faux homemade answer. I, I'd be tempted to go with, I don't know. <laughs> w- will you take this off the table? Might. So the New York, well, I don't know. <laughs> New York Times said in the aftermath of the attacks over the weekend, so if you weren't paying attention, we had the, the attacks Thursday night, which we talked about Friday morning, which were directly as a response to our soldiers being killed. Then more attacks on Saturday, which we're saying is just attacking the Houthis for the shipping lane stuff. I think it's all tied together, don't you? It's just a, if you mess with us enough, we're going to hit you really, really hard. Well, now that is the really good question. Is this all tied together and should it be? All of these attacks against our troops and international interests are coming from the periphery, the outside edge of Iran's power structure, all these militias, these proxies. And we've decided, well, we will direct our retaliatory fire right back at the periphery of Tehran's regional power. We're not going anywhere near the center. So, yeah, that's the great question. Is this all tied together? And so are, is this a, just a, a silly exercise attacking the, the, the proxies instead of the mothership? Uh, from the New York Times on Saturday, in the aftermath, American officials insisted there was no back-channel discussion with Tehran, no quiet agreement that the United States would not strike directly at Iran. That's interesting. That was my main question. Is that going on? Well, of course, if you have back-channels, you don't admit to them. Yeah, you're right. There's been no communications with Iran since the attack, John F. Kirby, a spokesman. Okay, since the attack. He might have thrown that in in a lawyerly way. Hmm. How about before the attack? That's what we're wondering about. Um, told reporters on a call Friday night after the retaliatory strikes were completed. Yeah, I didn't notice that the first time I read that. No communications with Iran since the attack. No, the question is, did you get a hold of them before the attack and say, look, we're about to unload, unload a, a barrel full of whoop-ass here, but we will not be striking you. All right. Mm-hmm. None, no attack, no strikes inside Iran. We might have told them that ahead of time. Well, and if Joe Biden found his ancient cojones, I would hope so the gross. message would have been gross. <laughs> it's metaphorical. It's all right. Come on. Um, uh, I would have hoped that the uh, the message would have been, uh, you know, dot, 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 whoop ass. And the next giant barrel of whoop ass is coming your way unless you call off your dogs. And according to some pretty good analysis in the Wall Street Journal, they think that the the guy who succeeded Soleimani, whose name is uh, Kadi or Kani or something like that, uh, not Kani, C-O-N-N-I-E, uh, Q-A-A-N-I, that he does not have nearly the tight control over the proxies that Soleimani did. And so there's some speculation that the message to Iran through the non-existent back channels is... 
look, you got to get these guys on a tighter leash or we have to come for you. We right. have to come for somebody right now for domestic political purposes. This is a very cynical assessment. This is not what I'm advocating, just what I think is happening. Um, we've got to bomb somebody, all right? And we're going to start with these guys because you're telling us that you, they're on. You can't control them, but you better try hard to control them, or the next can of whoop ass come your way. I think they could control them. I mean, I can't imagine that they couldn't. It d- doesn't mean that they orchestrated. They're in charge of their doing the attacks, but it reminds me of like uh, the Sopranos or Godfather, those kind of you know where one crime family attacks the other crime family. And, you know, because some crimes happening in their neighborhood. Well, they might have not directed it, but you have the ability to rein these people in. You better flip and figure out how to rein these people in. Mm-hmm. Well, that's, a, yeah. that's a thing. Right. Uh, yeah. an- another tweet I came across, I missed this somehow on Meet the Press. Ramesh Panuru of the National Review uh, tweeted out, um, on Meet the Press, National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan twice referred to some of Hamas's hostages having passed away. Wow, that is some passive language. Hostages passed away while in the custody of uh, Hamas? Oof. How hard are you going to wow. work? I, I, I'm probably trying too hard to find reasonable explanations for the half-assery coming out of the uh, Biden administration. But they've tried to tell us, he has tried to tell us who he is over and over and over again. He is Mr. Half-Ass. They passed away. Are you so concerned with some sort of two-state solution, which at this point is like me dreaming of an NBA career. I just, how the hell would that happen? Oh, that's all the rage right now among your high-level intellectuals. That's the column Tom Friedman wrote. They they brought it up on all the Sunday talk shows yesterday. The key to de-escalating and uh, bringing peace in the Middle East is a two-state solution. First of all, I've never believed that. Uh, You get the two-state solution, which is impossible, Iran is still vowing to eliminate Israel and us. Right, right. Well, and and Hamas, which is uh, is still in control, nominally, of Gaza, and still has plenty of power and influence and arms, is vowed to wipe Israel off the map the second they can. And so, uh, by what reasoning would Israel say, right, let's try again? Explain to me that road, what that looks like. People are like, you know, and I've talked about this before, you know, well, that'll kill the patient. (laughs) I know, but still, we got to try. No, you've got to address the fact that what you're suggesting is, is fatal. You can't skip over that part. I did a deep dive on Menachem Begin over the weekend, of all things. Former, former Prime Minister of Israel. There's a book out. I listened to a great podcast about it and then got interested in the book. Maybe I'll talk about that in future days because it has to do with this, all this stuff we were just talking about. But anyway, that's a, a tangent. So Josh Crashauer of Politico wrote yesterday, and Politico's not exactly a Trump-friendly publication. He said, there was no public appearance by the president to announce these potentially escalatory strikes. No Oval Office address, no on-camera statement. Instead, the news was delivered via virtual briefing, briefings and a news release from Biden. Pointing out that that's extraordinary. Has that ever happened? Have we ever had a military response of this level without a president telling America about it in front of a camera like moments before or moments after? I don't think so. 
No, no, it's being uh, downplayed in a way I've never seen before by the administration. Uh, and it's it's obvious why, and everybody knows it. And as I've pointed out many, many, many times, as if I have dementia and am forgetting that I've said it, um, he's going to get worse and worse and worse. We have nine months to the election. I, I can promise you by August, he's going to be utterly just it's it's going to be impossible to hide him if he speaks if he is seen it will be striking uh just trying to tie all this stuff together and we'll move on to something else uh when we're done but the wall street journal with an opinion piece over the weekend welcome to dearborn america's jihad capital did you read this i did not uh yeah and here's wow, one that's of the, right up my alley here's, too, yeah. here's one of the quotes from it dearborn being a a community in michigan uh, what's happening in Dearborn isn't simply a political problem for Democrats. It's potentially a national security issue affecting all Americans. Counterterrorism agencies at all levels should pay close attention. Imams and politicians in the Michigan city side with Hamas against Israel and Iran against the United States. That is interesting. Uh, similar topic. This is from London, but same sort of crowd. Douglas Murray, who we quote now and then on the show, um, tweeted out because he had an event canceled. Uh, my event in central London tonight has been moved after the theater was meant that was meant to be hosting it cowered to a campaign of intimidation. We have arrived at the point where theaters in London no longer feel safe to support free speech, or at least not when the subject is about Jews or Israel. When even the threat of a threat is enough to cause such fear among staff members that they refuse to show up to work, we all have a very big problem. Meantime, the event will still be going ahead. I have no intention of buckling to extremists, even if the theater in question has. But, so you got this sort of thing in the United States, in London, in a lot of capitals. It's this century's nightmare. Jihadism. You're right about that. That was last century, but uh, I would agree. Or was that this century? I guess it was. It was this century, yeah. Let's, uh, why would I quibble with the great Mitt Romney, anyway? He ran in 2012. The stripe of Islam that we're talking about is utterly incompatible with a representative democracy and religious diversity. It just is. That's not to say all Muslims everywhere, because that's clearly not true. But your more radical uh, branch of Islam, completely incompatible. There are a hell of a lot of people, maybe they're in Dearborn, maybe they're elsewhere. I would like to know if it comes down to Islam versus the West, which side are you on? Good one. I, because that was that was a very uncomfortable conversation after 9-11. And a lot of people on the coexist, coexist side of things were utterly unrealistic. I don't hate anybody. I don't stereotype anybody. I understand there is a rainbow of different colors of Islam that people follow and believe. I'm I'm better acquainted with that than the vast majority of people. And I'm telling you, there is a significant vein of Islam that's very dangerous to the West. And I don't know how many people are on which side. Well, that's what said. the Wall Street Journal opinion piece was saying and saying there's a heck of a lot of them in Dearborn, Michigan. Yeah, and I'm sorry. I forgot where I was going with this. Uh, and the fact that that conversation receded for a while doesn't mean it's over. N not by half. If you don't look at history in terms of half centuries or centuries, you don't understand history. Mm. So we took a few years off. That doesn't mean it went away. A lot more on the way. Text line 415-295-KFTC. Armstrong.
With everything you have on your plate, earning your degree online seems impossible. But at Grand Canyon University, we specialize in helping you fit a master's degree in business into your busy day. Your graduation team, led by your own GCU counselor, provides you with the personal support you need to succeed. Achieve your goals with a plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Armstrong and Getty Show. So I thought this was interesting in a number of ways. Uh, Jay-Z won an award, some sort of lifetime rap award or something like that. But anyway, he turned his uh, acceptance speech into a bit of a uh, uh, comment on the Grammys itself. How far we've come with uh, Will Smith and them, Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince winning their first Grammy in 89 and boycotting because it wasn't televised. And then they went to like a hotel and watched the Grammys. I didn't even understand what the... <laughs> wasn't a great boycott. Um, <laughs> I'm just saying, we just... We want y'all to get it right. We love y'all. At least get it close to right. You know, it's music and it's opinion-based. I don't want to embarrass this young lady, but she has more Grammys than everyone and never won album of the year. So even by your own metrics, that doesn't work. Some of you going to go home tonight and feel like you've been robbed. Some of you may get robbed. Anyway, he, he his his oh, the, the young lady was Beyonce. So his thing is Beyonce's won more Grammys than anybody's ever won in Grammy history, but has never won album of the year. And um, and he's talking about how rap didn't even wasn't even part of the tele. He's suggesting that they're biased toward white people or biased against black music. Right? I mean, that's what he's saying. Some of you are going to feel like he got robbed. He said it. He's just flat out said it in the past. Yeah. And remember, yeah. it was Beyonce. It was what Taylor Swift. Best one of the times she won best album is when Kanye ran up on stage and said, "No, no, no, you got this wrong. This woman here had the be- blah blah blah." You know, or that was video. But regardless, same sort, same sort of conversation. I would like to, and I've always wondered this before. We, we, we've always mocked the idea of awards for art because it's impossible. I would love to sit down with some of these Grammy voters. And not mockingly, I just like it. What's your decision making process? You have two albums here. You got a country album, you got a rap album, you got a pop album. How did you listen to them and determine what was the best? Using my finger quotes. What was your what is your metric? Just like what made you feel right. the best or what? Uh, yeah, well, I, I'm I'm probably the wrong guy for this conversation just because I've despised the Grammys since 1977, which is a long time to hold a grudge. <laughs> it really is. This is practice. It's a beloved tradition, almost as much as singing Silent Night on Christmas Eve, Joe bitching about Best New Artist in 1977 when the Starland vocal band beat out Boston. The Grammys make the Oscars seem non-stupid. It's just, it's ridiculous for some of the reasons you pointed out and more. Who votes, why they vote, the rest of it. It's just, the whole thing is a parade of laughable. But it does turn you on to some artists that you might be interested in. So, you know, that's fine. Yeah. I'd like to know what their decision-making process is. I mean, 
or do they just flip a coin? I have no idea. Armstrong and Getty. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Thirty minutes later, a smuggler's SUV raced along the border fence and dropped another group at the same spot. And 30 minutes after that, another group. Over four days, we witnessed nearly 600 migrants, adults and children, pass through this hole and onto U.S. soil unchecked. The border migrants is secure. They're <laughs> immigrants. They're not migrating, okay? They're not ducks. They're not migrants. They don't come and go, come and go. They're immigrants. Stop it. Yeah, you tweeted out the actual definition. Yeah. It was pretty good. Migrants yeah, are people. Somebody, well, go ahead. Yeah, migrants are anybody moving anywhere for work, but immigrants are coming to a different country, right? And generally, permanently or semi-permanently. Right. Yeah, yeah. So, migration is a regular rhythmic. I mean, if if I you know I've not, known guys who like caddy in the summertime, like for golf, and then in the wintertime they're ski instructors or something. They have that kind of free will and lifestyle. They're migrant workers. They haven't moved to France, okay? These are immigrants, and they're illegal immigrants. With the intention uh, of living there and raising their kids, which is a huge deal. We've let the left change the language again. Anyway, that's pretty hilarious, Michael, that after Sharon Alfonsi of 60 Minutes talks about SUV after SUV showing up for people to walk through the fence hole. Nice job, fence hole. Uh, The official word from the official department in charge of this, of course, is... The border is secure. How do you get away with saying that? Anyway, here's a little more from the 60 Minutes piece. Why did you decide to come to the United States? How to find jobs. Uh, what did you do? Did you work in China? 
She said it was, and that she sold her house to cover the $14,000 cost of her trip to the U.S. Tell me, is gravel as noisy in China as it is here? (laughs) Sorry, tad distracting. So, yeah, I was going to say, boy, those are funny Venezuelan accents those people have. No, they're, they're some of the many thousands of people who've come from China. Our greatest geopolitical foe, and we have more on that, I know, in a second, but um, I'm reminded sometimes I've rooted for terrible, terrible sports teams, and and, and their defense is so bad, when somebody scores, I don't get mad. I think, of course you're going to lose. Our defense (laughs) is so bad as a country. How are we not going to lose? We're not even trying. So what did they say that person spent $14,000? Yeah. To get here, uh, and another person they talked to from China said it took them 40 days. I mean, planes, trains, and automobiles for 40 days to then finally have that SUV drive you to that hole in the fence 60 miles east of San Diego. And you walk through with the CB, with the 60 Minutes crew there filming you and a border agent standing right there with his, I don't know what he's supposed to be doing. Not you know, I'm sure he has no authority to do anything. but Like a Walmart greeter. Right. How are you folks doing? Welcome to America. How are you? Good morning. Welcome to America. Yeah, here's a cart. Um, so uh, lots of people from Chinese have come here, according to 60 Minutes. Last year, U.S. Customs and Border Protection reported 37,000 Chinese citizens were apprehended crossing illegally from Mexico into the U.S. That's 50 times more than two years earlier. Apprehended is kind of a funny word. 37,000? Is that what they said? Yes, 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 37,000. We're apprehended, and of course we haven't got the slightest idea how many people got through that were not apprehended. When those of us who are a, a bit old school or just old hear apprehended and assume and held. That's right. what apprehended right. used to mean. Doesn't mean that anymore. Right. It's like saying I apprehended my wife when I gave her a kiss when I saw her yesterday. It's no, I stopped her briefly and inconvenienced her. <sighs> she finds your kisses inconvenient? Eh, it was kind of a wry joke about marriage. Okay. Not one of my better. Um yeah, well, and these people are briefly inconvenienced. All right, here's your paperwork. Uh, we're going to ask you to show up to a uh, an immigration hearing in the year 2027, somewhere or other. We don't know, and we don't care either. Which, Get out of here. Which should be embarrassing to have the words come out of your mouth. Here's some paperwork. You have a court date 10 years from now. I mean, right. d- d- don't, don't, don't say silly things. It's, it's, it's not a good look for us. Say our current policy is we don't do anything, so go ahead. Because that is the current I, policy. What do you, what well, do you yeah. like it or not, uh, Mr. Mayorkas, the border is secure. No, it's not. I mean, if you don't enforce any of these things, they don't mean anything. Quit pretending they do. You know, we haven't I'd talked like, about enough is the fact I, that the, all the details on the big legislation package came out yesterday. Yeah, I don't know. I'm torn because it definitely is the sort of thing that will be part of legislation, I think, in the future. But the thing seems to be DOA. So, I don't uh, know. Oh, you're torn on whether we should talk about it. That's a good point. Right. 
Um, the, yeah. the Speaker of the House has declared it ain't passing the House, which means, okay, why even we why are we even discussing this? Unless and, that's a bargaining position he's taking, but I don't think it is. And two Democratic senators have come out against it. Two Democrats, let alone a handful of Republicans. Well, it's got to get, or maybe most Republicans, it's got to get 60 votes to clear the hurdle on Wednesday. So, right, right. So anyway, getting back to my sports uh, analogy, uh, 37,000 Chinese nationals, and I suspect that a large measure of them are people who hate communism. They want a better life. They realize this is the land of opportunity. And they think uh, thousands and thousands of our countrymen are here in school. It must be an okay place. So they come to America to make a better life life for themselves, like many Chinese immigrants have millions through the years. And, and I, you know what? I credit them for their industriousness and their courage. But it is also beyond uh, discussion that a significant share of that 37,000 and how many would it have to be to be significant? A hundred people would be a lot. Oh, yeah, and it could easily, easily, easily be a thousand who are here specifically to do harm to our country. And so when the Chinese score the touchdown of taking down our electric grid and our cell phone service and, and, and water treatment plants and everything else that they've planned for when and if they need it, when that happens, what am I going to do? Rail angrily about... How this happened? I'm watching how it happened. We're not playing defense. And so when they score that touchdown, I'm going to act surprised by that? How could it, How could anybody be surprised by that? So I've been saying... Dang from- it, I feel like we're just... I feel like I'm through the looking glass here, and everybody's nuts. Well, we've had a porous border for a very long time. Never this porous, but for a long time. And I've been saying for years... You know, if Al-Qaeda or ISIS or whoever doesn't get some people through the border, they aren't trying hard enough. Okay, well, they're, you know, they're a ragtag group of misfits with changing leadership constantly and different blah, blah, blah. China ain't, though. China is a well-organized, well-orchestrated, lots of money, thinking this through, 100-year plan. There's no way that China, the Chinese Communist Party, hasn't snuck some people, some spies or somebody into this country. No way. Oh, well, right. uh, My only caveat would be they've already got so many here, it would have to be a specific sort of person that you can't get in by pretending they're a student or a professor or or researcher or whatever. Or just what an advantage to have some people in the country that aren't on anybody's radar. If you've got all the paperwork and you're at a university, at least you're known by the government and there's paperwork as to your address and all this different. They're able to get people in now that nobody has nothing on. Yeah, it's an espionage dream come true. This will, we have sown the seeds, we will reap the whirlwind, as the Bible says, at some point, and there'll be all kinds of political finger pointing, and it'll be really annoying. Yeah, yeah. The 49ers have decided to play this defensive series with only four guys on the field, Jim. Oh, look at that. Oh, touchdown, Chiefs. Oh, no, the Chiefs scored. What happened? I just, I give up. I give up. Why should I care if my team isn't trying? Mm. I don't know where most of our listeners are on this new immigration legislation, if you're for it or against it. And Trump's hardcore against it. Speaker of the House is against it. I was watching Fox and Friends this morning. They mostly, almost entirely for were... This is a bunch of stuff we've wanted for years. Let's get it while we can get it. What are we doing? 
Interesting. I thought that was interesting. Yeah, I, there is so much dishonesty and duplicity in this the whole conversation. I, I don't know. I just want to throw up my hands. I don't know. I, I just I've don't been care around. Anymore. I've been around long enough, though. This idea of no, we can do better. We'll wait for the next opportunity has never yielded anything. I'm, I'm, I'm right now. I feel like let's take something. Yeah, and then add talk- to it. If we can add to it with some sort of pressure in the future, awesome. But so far, we're getting nothing. Yeah, there's a part of me that, that thinks you're 100% right. I need to overcome my disgust at the dishonesty of the president saying, I need the Republicans to finally pass legislation so I can control the border. Otherwise, it would be controlled. I mean, there could be nothing oh. less true than that. Wow, wow, and wow, I hate that. to grant him cover. Play 59 before we go to break. 59, please, Michael. Part two of the acting yeah. is Joe, is, is Joe okay. Biden saying, you know what, if you just give me a new law, a new law, why doesn't the president can fix this? He already has the existing law. And border patrol this, will this is that also right silly. to your face. I need a piece of yeah. paper from Congress to deal with the border. No, you already have that. That's right. That's right. Hey, the crowd's a little like monkeys. They're going to cheer whatever Bill Maher says. But Bill Maher, the old liberal, saying the president has the power to fix the border. He's just not doing it. Right, right. So we have to strike the unholy bargain of getting, you know, a lot of decent stuff anyway. But we have to, the Republican Party has to plead guilty to the charge of being the ones who obstructed border security in order to get this deal. That's the part that's so galling to me. I just can't go there. Mm, right. Maybe I need to grow up and, and, and get there if indeed it is a good bargain, but... I don't that's that's just too much. It's hard to take. We'll finish strong next. Armstrong and Getty. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up as well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James! LeBron James! And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I have this thing where I get older, but just never wiser. Midnight's become my afternoons. When my depression was... I'm told 
this is one of the songs from the Taylor Swift album that won album of the year. I haven't actually heard any of that album. I've heard a lot of a lot of other Taylor Swift albums from when my kids were younger and they liked more pop music. But the reason I wanted to bring this up, I learned this last night watching the Grammys. I didn't know this. So about two years ago during COVID, one of the musical acts for Saturday Night Live had to cancel at the last minute because they got COVID. So they brought in the local New Jersey band, Bleachers, to fill in because they needed somebody like in an hour. And Bleachers came and played, and I thought they were freaking awesome. And I thought the front man was just awesome. Well, that's hmm. Jack Antonoff, who oh. is the producer of all of Taylor Swift's albums. And it turns out like a million other albums I've heard in my life. He's the lead guitar player and singer for Bleachers and a bunch of other bands that I didn't even know. He's one of those, like, can-do-anything genius music guys. He's won Producer of the Year three years in a row, which has never happened, uh, at the Grammys. And Taylor got up there and said, I just so much, I, I do this because I get to work with Jack and all these other people and stuff like that. Now, I thought, there's so many people behind the scenes of the music business that aren't household names, like mm-hmm. a Taylor Swift, who just dominate the industry <laughs> and probably make gazillions of dollars, but they get to walk through an airport unaccosted, which would be the perfect way to be and in the And they don't have business. to travel unless they want to. They don't have to schlep from stadium to stadium or, or bar to bar or whatever level they're on. And yeah. you could date whoever you want, and nobody's going to put your face on TV and have people get sick of you. That would be yeah. the way to be in the music industry. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. Be the writers and producers and people that make good money and you get to do the fun part without the part that, unless you need the adoration, I guess, mm-hmm. in front of all the fans. I ought to write some overly long piece for The Atlantic um, uh, called The Age of Professionalization or something. Because one of the more interesting aspects of like, gosh, I don't know when it started, maybe 19, roughly in my lifetime. um, A lot of things that were just for fun, but can result in like a profession or even wealth, like music. Like, you know, being a guitar player, a singer, whatever, that used to be a very ragtaggy you do it because that's the kind of person you are type thing. But it became clear that if you do it on a certain level, you can make a lot of money doing it. Sports are the same. Kids used to play sports because they loved to play sports. It wasn't about everybody fighting for scholarships and, 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 and uniformed travel teams at age nine and that sort of thing. And that's become professionalized, too. And the level of all of it has gotten really high in the way that, like, these pop music factories, they churn out hit after hit after hit because they are as professionalized as, like, NVIDIA is at cranking out computer chips. Hmm. But a lot of the soul has gone out of it. Oh, sure. I see I see twelve year olds playing baseball or, or even older kids. And it's not like, oh, there's a bunch of people who just love to play baseball. It's like, oh, there's the uh there's the uh scholarship factory. Cause there's so much money in everything. Yeah, and everybody's so serious about it in a way that nobody gave a crap how hard I could throw a ball when I was fourteen years old. And I was a good baseball player, but Nobody was talking about scholarships or getting into double A or anything like that. That time will come. Go play baseball. Mm. And everything's become professionalized. It's, you know, it's fine. It, it, it's, it's like standing and yelling at the tide and telling it not to come in. But it's, it's changed the world of music, certainly. It's Times says Jay Z excoriated the cat the the Academy for their short shrifting of black artists. You didn't think that he did that? 
I've been excoriated. That was not an excoriation. Here's your host for Final Thoughts, Joe Getty. Let's get a final thought from everybody on the squad. Perhaps they'd like to excoriate somebody, starting with Michelangelo in the control room. Michael? Uh, just a simple message. I will get my famous cheese dip recipe up online just to make sure you have it for the big game. Oh, oh, yes, yes. Mm. I thought about mm. that yesterday. I thought a week from now it's going to be snack time. If I had to decide whether to eat the dip or watch the game, I'd have to think about it. <laughs> Our esteemed newswoman, Katie Green, has a final thought. Katie? Taylor Swift is beautiful, she's talented, she's rich, but enough already yeah. with the Taylor Swift yeah. saturation. Yeah. I can't anymore. Yeah, yeah I'm going to ask Jack uh, off the air. Just please. Just, <laughs> I don't want to hear it. No more. Yeah. Unless she assassinates the president or cures cancer. You might have to go into hiding for a week because the Super Bowl, the end of this week in the Super Bowl, you're going to hear a lot of Taylor Swift talk. Oh, I know it. I know it. She does need it. to, like... Oh, that's why I think when she won last night, she had to be thinking, oh, God, please, no. Oh, uh, no. This is doing me more harm than good. Yeah, she's U2 in the 90s. Everybody just had enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, my final thought is so many people asked, hey, what did you do that made your sciatica so much better? We've posted uh, a thing at armstrongandgetty.com. I think it'll have its own little banner so you can find it. Uh, for what it's worth, I hope it helps you. Consult your medical professional before you do a single thing. That's back pain, sciatica? Uh, Kind of. Armstrong and Getty wrapping up another grueling four-hour workday. So many people to thank so little time. Go to armstrongandgetty.com. We'll see you tomorrow. God bless America. Armstrong and Getty. Um, You know, they took their shot, but... Move on. It's (laughs) unfortunate. Again. Fair enough. What do we want to be? Losers? Or winners. Baby, we are winning. We smell like winning around here. That's not what I smell like. Oh, yeah. Round tables with people <laughs> sitting around them. Raise the roof for the tables. I just noticed more celebrities. Let's hear it for the celebrities I didn't notice the first time. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. I'm out. On that high note, thank you all very much. Armstrong and Getty. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Mini Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleha Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.